Welcome to the Sell Your Brilliance Summit, where we empower entrepreneurs to elevate their influence. We're here to ignite your entrepreneurial spirit and help you showcase your unique talents to the world. I'm your host, Michelle Parad, and I'm thrilled to be your guide on this journey of unlocking your true potential. Enjoy this summit. I can't wait to connect with you. So when it comes to bringing through a solo aligned business, it's really important to talk about your self-image. And here to discuss this topic is Dawn Gadden. She really dives into the tools that can help us align our thoughts, emotions, and actions to create positive change. She really emphasizes the importance of self-care and mindfulness, as well as living authentically. And I really appreciate her sharing her personal journey to where she is now. Don Gadden is the CEO of Mind Body Counseling and Coaching, licensed professional counselor, yoga teacher, mindset expert, and self-image coach, three times best-selling author. She's an international speaker. She has spoken on stages and podcasts to over 10,000 people. And she really has a unique expertise in changing the brain with movement to activate your energy in a practice called Intensati. So I really hope that you gain some new perspectives in this interview. Enjoy. I am so excited to welcome Dawn to the summit. We are going to be talking about the secrets to shift your image by activating your emotions. And just before getting on here, I was watching some of your videos on intense Sati, I hope I'm saying that correctly. Yes. Immediately, I felt this shift in power and emotions and just feeling like more alive. And it's a very interesting practice because most people talk about shifting our self-image from the perspective of our mind. But what I really, truly love is that you're bringing in this whole body experience to that visioning. And I think that really is so much more powerful when we engage not just our mind, but everything, body, spirit. So thank you so much for joining. And I'd love for you to just, yeah, any opening thoughts about how we can really go about aligning our thoughts, emotions, and actions for positive change. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. It's so good to be here. And I'm glad you were able to take a look at Intensati. You did say it right. And it's and it's two words. So for people who are listening and want to know, like, how do you say it? What is it? Intensati comes from two words. Intention. So intent comes from the word intention. Sati means mindfulness. So mindful intention. Intensati. And what I love about the practice and why I decided to teach the practice and bring it into the the work I do with my clients was because it is about emotions, right? When we work, when I work with my clients, I talk about getting in touch with your thoughts. Okay, got the thoughts. I know what I don't like. I know what I like. And now how do we shift it? If we can go on repeat with the words, it will work eventually, I, I believe. Play the recording in our mind enough. I am enough. I love and accept myself. We'll get there because you can't help but shift it. But if we tap into our feeling first, quicker, like we, we have to choose to feel. What might it feel like to love myself? What might it 
feel like to be enough, then that's like a quantum leap into getting where you want to go. Because we seem to neglect that piece or we forget about it, that the emotion is a huge part of who we are, emotions. And I love how in Tensati, we come from a place where most people are comfortable, like exercise, right? Moving your body. Like we're very physical beings on this planet. We're somewhat comfortable with knowing that. But to say we're spiritual beings or our minds, our minds have a sort of a life of their own or some emotional. We still have this like little resistance, I feel. Yeah. Still, so when we can come through and let's move the body and start to feel what we want to feel. Oh, and then my thoughts start to change. Mm-hmm. That's like the power of the, all the ingredients together. That's amazing. It's so true. Like I definitely tried the whole gamut of different manifestation tools and energy work. And I just find that when you say an affirmation, unless you actually shift into believing it, it's not going to work. <laughs> right? You could just say, I'm powerful. But then if your body is saying something else, still in a fear state, then there's this contradiction happening. Really. But what you're really doing is shifting the body and the emotion to match the affirmation and the, the thought as well. So I love I love that kind of practice. So it's, yeah. it's amazing. What do, would you say really can change, can make people really change who they think they are? And what are some of the practices you might use besides that in, in Tensati? Yeah. So changing how they see themselves, like their self-image. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we, what I found to be really common to, to be like practical is a lot of people feel like they're not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. And what we have to understand is that's a belief. Mm-hmm. And it came from somewhere yeah. along the line, like what we picked up. Because at our true source, we are enough. And we are as smart as we need to be. And we have a gift to bring to this world. And so understanding that's a belief that we picked up, right? And it just got implanted, if we want to think about that. And so we have to get in, get in touch with that and then let it go. So I think of like a garden. We're just going to pull the weeds been a therapist for 24 years and I've been very different. I've had clients tell me from the beginning, you're not like a regular therapist. You're not like a, and then of course, as coaches became more popular, I was like, you're more of a coach. I'm like, oh, what's the coach? Because I don't let my clients sit and stew in the yuck. You've been enough. And it's powerful. Like we can have a little moment that's like amplifies. So it's not like we bypass it and, and and ignore it we identify it and then we let's pull it out we don't need it anymore it doesn't serve us with love and compassion i'm grateful for my experience through life now i'm letting it go because it doesn't serve me and so i typically to answer directly to your question i typically give my clients writing mm. writing we have to because we don't realize what we're thinking always I have clients that will come in and say I don't know my thoughts I just know I don't feel good so I think Don I don't think I just feel I said you think (laughs) we all think that's part of our human makeup as we think so getting in touch with your thoughts and when they start writing they're like wow 
And I set it up very safe and comfortable. You don't have to show it to me. You don't have to show it to anybody. You don't even read it again because you don't want to take it back up if you're writing out this stuff that's from the past or whatever comes up. But being able to get it out, it's like a dump. Get it out, and then we move from there, but we throw it away, and then we have more processes and filling back up with the good stuff. But writing is powerful. Oh, I love that so much. And uh, I resonate with what you said about one of my teachers, Diana Seibel. She talks about also it's best not to dwell for longer than three minutes in your problem. Um, And it's so it's really important to. Talk about it from the perspective of let me just find what the root cause or issue is, and then let's find a solution to let it go rather than reiterating it because that's in a way it's manifesting it again (laughs) into your life. You're getting that. Um, So I definitely completely agree with that. Um, And so, and the journaling is such a beautiful process. I feel like there are some wise elders that used to do this and they would then in old like tribal type of environments, then they would then burn it in a way to the flames kind of transmute it and let it go and all that. Um, So I I find that to be a beautiful practice. And I feel like I I should do that more (laughs) myself as well. It's so powerful. Yeah. I've done groups before where we do that. We'll have a fire and we do our writing. And I invite my clients individually to do the same. If you have a safe place where you can burn it, let it go, let it dissipate, let it, let that energy just dissipate. And we transmute into this beautiful, I I see it as like shedding layers, right? Or like being that butterfly in a cocoon. And that burning, that shedding is just going to let us bloom and blossom and grow and fly. And that's it's just part of the process. We love that. I love that analogy. I was actually just speaking to a friend of mine around this concept. Of, it keeps coming up around metamorphosis. And so it's funny you're talking about like butterflies and whatnot. So that is that process. Of how can you constantly let go of the old self so that you can renew into the new self? Yeah. That's a beautiful yes. practice that, in, that enables that. So I love yeah. it. We need to tap into their, our spiritual self, our emotional self to get there. We have, we just have to, it's part of who we are. And being, and I think being comfortable into the journey is, is key. Like I'm willing, and it may not always be comfortable, but being comfortable in the uncomfortable, that it's part of the journey, part of this metamorphosis is, is being in touch with how I feel and being in touch with my thoughts and knowing that beyond it all, deep inside, there's a spirit of me that is meant for something. Mm, I, I love that concept that you're mentioning is this. Sometimes we feel like we have to have always high emotion. If we've made it, it's because we're like always in this ecstatic, joyful space. And I, I don't think that's always true. And so I think part of what you're teaching is like, how can you actually sit with and transmute and go through some of the darker emotions that are just part of being human and part of elevating ourselves in a way and taking ourselves to the next level of who we are? Right. Yeah. That's so good. It's part of the journey. Yeah. Amazing. So what else can you suggest in terms of for people to get them out of an autopilot type zone where they're just going through the motions through the day and maybe they're not really paying attention to their thoughts or. Yeah. 
it can be simple. I know many people will have, ex- we all have excuses, right? And I don't have enough time. It's really hard. I can't get out of my thoughts. We can if we try, right? Like we can if we put in the effort. So we have to make a decision. Do I want it? Do I want it? Do I want something different? Even if I don't know what that is yet, do I want something a little different so I'm happy and enjoy my life and I don't feel stuck? And so it's simple and with beginning, just the first step, right? We're not looking to the end, the finish line. We're just, what's the next step? And so I'll often um, invite people to start one minute a day of meditation. One minute. If you've never done it before and you're like, I don't know what to do, Don. I don't know how to turn this off or what will I think or where, where will my mind go? Set an alarm for 60 seconds. Every day, every day though, every day, like every day, <laughs> sit with yourself and just breathe. Just focus on the inhale and exhale of your breath. And you'll notice your thoughts over there and over there. And then you just say, okay, I'm coming back to my breath. And that's all you have to say. Because what people tend to do which then they define as I can't meditate, is, oh, I had a thought. Oh, I'm thinking about my grocery list. Oh, I'm not doing this right. Oh, forget it. I'll just not do it. That's Mm -hmm. like running one day and then expecting yourself to run a marathon. Mm -hmm. Not going to happen. It's training. It's practice. I I say meditation is like flexing the muscle of the mind. So training that fight or flight, the chaos to calm down, and the higher mind, I call it, to be in this place of like, joy and bliss and ease and just be okay like just breathing for a minute and one of the most powerful things that many researchers have said is gratitude gratitude if you're like i need a thought focus on your breath or thank you thank you for this moment thank you for this day thank you for every breath i have thank you for the 60 seconds i have to just be with me let's start there it's beautiful. Yeah, it's you can just start as, as simply as just that. Um, but I love your point about it, consistency because we can't change ourselves just from one experience or one tool that we used once. And I think most of us have a Rolodex of tools, but sometimes forget to to use them every day. We mm-hmm. get yeah, it's through that consistency that. A year from now or whenever it is, we, we may be unrecognizable to ourselves. And it's because of those like everyday things that we end up, end up doing. Yeah. So that's super, super powerful. So I'm, yeah, I'm curious how you even got into all of this mind-body work. What was your journey to, to get here and now to facilitate yeah, transformational, motivational workshops and speaking on this? as well. A journey that's probably not all that different from others. I was raised by by a codependent mother and I learned how to be the caregiver. I had to fix, I had to take care. I had siblings. I have two, an older sister, two younger brothers. My parents are still married, but it was a very, my mom unloaded her baggage onto me and I had to carry it at a very young age. And again, that stuff wasn't very much in my conscious mind as a kid. I just knew I'm going to go to school and I'm going to be a therapist. I'm going to help people. Because along the way, those little imprints, right, got planted, those seeds got planted that this is what Don does. Right. The beliefs that I picked up because it was taught to me that Don's the helper. Don's the one that can solve the problems and 
help our siblings that fight and be the peacemaker. So I went off to college, struggled in school with panic attacks and insomnia. And so I thought, that's not going to (laughs) work. I can't be this. And that's the first shift I had is I can't be this girl who can't sleep and can't pass the test and can't breathe. Go to graduate school. I had to get a graduate degree, a master's degree, a license to do what I do. So I had to decide who am I going to be? I have to do something because, of course, the thoughts drop out of school. You're not made for this. Back in 1989, I had friends going to college to find a husband. It was, they called it the MRS degree. Right. I could do that. No, there's something I knew. No. And so back then, again, first line of defense was, go to your doctor. Here's a pill. And I'm like, no, that's not going to work for me. And that's when I discovered meditation. And I had a little cassette player. And I actually still had, I bought one because I think it's just the coolest. I had to remember cassette player. If people remember cassette, remember, do you remember cassettes? I do. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Cassettes. And I would, I bought one and I would put my headphones on. And since I couldn't sleep anyway, I would listen to meditations. Because I knew what was keeping me from succeeding was these thoughts. I can't do this. What am I, if I'm not strong enough? I came from a very blue-collar family, one of the first to go to college. Like, nobody taught me how. And I found meditation put me to sleep. And I didn't have another panic attack. And I thought, oh, my mind is calm. I'm happy. I know what I have to do to get to the next step, this clarity. And so that's what, that's the beginning of that journey of knowing what I, knowing the tools that helped me. And then, of course, along the way, I did my own work on how to set healthy boundaries with my family and pull the weeds that kept me, because there's so many, it's hard to see. Like, we can't see them all. Subconscious mind holds everything. And um, my, my master's degree had a certification in complementary medicine and wellness, which is why I chose that program, because I knew I was not going to be a traditional come lay on my couch every week and tell me your problems and then go home and then come back and do the same wasn't going to be that way. That's not what changed things. Just like meditation, I had to add in this thing I didn't know to create this new me. And along my journey, I became a yoga teacher, an intensity leader. I went to coaching. So I went and had a co- went to co- uh, through a coaching program. And so I've discovered that what do I do? What do I do for people? What do, how do I help people? What did I do to help me? I had to shift my image. This poor girl who was struggling through school panic attacks, anxiety, this panic state to this person. I'm going to school and I'm going to get this degree and I'm going to get married. I have four boys and I want to create my life. I had to think differently and feel differently, but I had to do it a step at a time. And so that, that was the, that was pretty much the journey to get to where I'm at. I love that. It's so beautiful to see the transformation and like awe-inspiring for other people that there's always a way that you can get to where you want to go. And it does make me a little bit like sad that meditation, and I know now meditation is much more widespread, mm-hmm. but it's it's kind of more God-given, right? Like we, we should be presented with that when we're bored. Okay, you go to the I mean, you eat, you sleep, you go to the bathroom and you meditate. Like That should be part of it. So hopefully we'll get to a society (laughs) sooner or later where we realize that in general, that will create so much less chaos because the chaos starts with 
in within us and that kind of projects out into the world as well. Yeah, absolutely. It affects all of us in all areas of our life. I don't know the statistics today, but I know at one point it was 70, 80 percent of all illnesses or all doctor's visits were stress related. Stress. Now, we can't control out here the things that happen, but we can control in here how we perceive it. And that's the practice. And that affects our health and wellness and how we show up in the world. And it's powerful. Right. And then from there, it's I can do anything. It's really that's so magical. So it's a really good journey. And and I know you had mentioned you also went through a cancer point in time in your life. How was it? How did it come about? If you don't mind sharing and the journeys through that and the tools that you came, I'm sure, to as you were going through that period. Yeah, that was a journey, I tell you. (laughs) One that we never expect to happen, right? Like, never. And it was, and I think it's so important, and I think you mentioned it too earlier, where just because we get to a place that we don't always then feel good all the time or always think clearly all the time, we have our journey. And this was a journey back in 2010, before 2010, with a lineup of experiences. Like, I'll give you the, like, the push. So I have two boys. They're beautiful boys. And then I had two miscarriages. And then I had twins. And then we bought a house, dream house in the woods, because we have four boys now. And then my husband lost his job. And like I said, I set up my life really well where I worked two nights a week. I I worked in the evenings. My husband would come home. I was home with my kids. I wanted to raise my kids. And so now we have my 10 or a week job and knowing nothing, my husband lost his job. It was like 2007, time where things weren't going so well. And I got a job, full-time job. And it was um, very stressful, a very toxic environment. And I was in fight or flight. I think I was in fight or flight since my twins were born, probably before that, because they were a very high-risk pregnancy called twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome, where we almost, we possible they weren't going to make it. It was very scary, on bed rest, lots of doctor's visits. So fight or flight, I'm like, I have to, these two little guys growing inside me need to survive. And then when my husband lost his job, I went into, I, again, my old story, take care of everything, fix it, solve the problem, went into motion. That didn't work for me. So I was working full time. My husband was taking care of the kids, which was wonderful. He was great dad, great dad. But it was kind of my job. I had to give up that job. And so I had the experience of feeling what my clients felt like when they would explain to me what depression was like, where everything was gray. There, there was no light left in the day. Crying on my drive to go to work every day feeling like I was leaving my kids, like I wasn't being able to show up the way I wanted to show up. I was exhausted working full time and having four boys. It's a lot of work. It's exhausting. And again, still on that fight or flight. And I remember one drive to work and I was praying and I said, okay, God, you got to show me. You got to help me out because this isn't working. Before that, before I prayed, I remember I was driving and I thought I could just leave. Like I could just keep driving and disappear. Like I'm useless. I felt felt useless. Like I couldn't take care of my kids very well. I was exhausted when I got home from work. I'm like, just I could just drive and disappear. Like everyone will figure it out. They're better off without me. And that was the moment I like just stopped and went, okay, wait, God help me. Like help me figure this out. This is not the way. This is not it. You've got to give me something else. This I cannot handle. 
And it was shortly after that I was diagnosed with cancer. And I, many people I know get mad at God and get angry. And I just thought, I can handle this. Are you sure? This is not what I was expecting. This isn't the plan. But I realized the lesson in it, because there's a lesson in everything, was I was not going to leave that job. I was not going to leave that job. It was putting food on the table. It paid well. It was taking care of the home that we just bought. It was feeding my children. I was stuck in that old place, that autopilot place. And cancer was a wake-up call for me. It was like, Dawn, you can't keep doing this. So I left the job. I took care of my health. I had lots of decisions to make about that because I'm very holistic. And I had to make decisions about chemotherapy, holistic medicine, do both. I did a lot of both. It worked for me. But it was that wake-up call that said, okay, where, who do you want to be now? Who do you want to be now? Because that old way isn't working. And again, when we can slide back into these old patterns, but it's wake up, wake, wake up and step into your power. And of course, during this time, I wasn't doing my meditation. I wasn't journaling. I was surviving. Go to work, feed the kids, go to bed. That was it. And so when we can catch ourselves and get out of survival as quick as you can notice and go, wait, I need that one minute a day. Just one minute. Just go back to that. You'll get, you'll catch your breath again. Sure. That's an inspiring story. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. It's, it's interesting how different ailments and diseases are, are there to just show us to take a pause. And like you said, and, and I'm sure a lot of mothers out there get, when they get into that stage of their life, it's, oh, they get into the caretaker mode and then let's forget about myself. It okay. seems like across the board for women and yeah it's it's an important lesson to to like you said to always come back to our practices and and that way everything kind of shifts and is managed like magically <laughs> very interesting how that is it's like things that are taken care of even if you think it's like there's so much on your plate but when you take the time to yourself and breathe and meditate and all those things, then everything is accounted for. And it's probably part of what you were going through because you got through that and somehow the money piece still arrived at, later on, and, right? Because maybe, and did you shift careers at that point in time after you got through the, the cancer period? So here's the thing, right? Like, and I believe in faith, like faith, you have to have faith. You have to trust. Community helps. You have to trust. I left that job. I took a leave and then they, then I didn't go back. And then I took two years off work. And now when I chose to leave and go on like the medical leave, my husband still wasn't working. <laughs> we needed support other, elsewhere, right? We needed financial support elsewhere. And it was that faith, like he's still looking for a job. I can't go back to that job because it would probably kill me. And so I had to, we had to step into faith, like, okay, what other resources can we utilize while I'm going to the doctors? I'm getting healthy. He, get a, he did get a job, which is why I was able, I don't really know when it was he got a job and how long I didn't work. I know I didn't work for two years, but when he got a job, but I took time off and, and it came together. We're still in our house. We're still in our dream house and we are still, our boys are well fed. <laughs> and it's like things, but we, like so many people are afraid to take that risk and everything's a risk 
And I think one thing so, so important to know, and I, when I see this happen, like when I have my clients, they'll come to me and I have some clients that make six, seven figures and they'll come to me and, and they're like, I'm unhappy. Like the money's not enough anymore. It's not enough. I'm so unhappy. I'm sick. I'm not, I want to take days off work. I, I'm, I'm, but I can't leave. I can't leave. And I'm like, okay, let's see what we can do to put it together. Some of them get to the point where I'm out. Like I, even though that career that they're passionate about or something they really, not toxic, but like a something they love, but they're so tired and so drained. So we don't want to get there. We don't want to get there. We want to be able to take care of ourselves so that we don't burn out and get to that place. So it's like those little steps, because when we come down to it, like eventually we're like, if we're so drained, the money doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. So really, there's always like little like inklings that we have inside ourselves. And then suddenly it's like, there's a big red flag that comes up and that we can't ignore anymore. Happening with the people that you serve and work with. And I see it so widespread. It's like people are really not living authentically in what they're meant to be doing. Just just love the work that that you're doing. And thank you so much for sharing. Any last words of advice for our audience before we head out to it? Yeah, yeah, I think it was, it was Joe Dispenza that said, don't, I think it was him that said, don't let any thought pass by without your awareness. And don't let any thought pass by without your awareness. So getting really good at paying attention to your thoughts, just start to notice with love and compassion. That's key. Always be loving and compassion. Notice a thought that says, oh, you're not good enough. Okay, notice that thought. That's not me. That's a thought. And I can choose my thoughts. And that's it. That's the first step, really. So just always be loving and kind to yourself and notice your thoughts. That's a beginning. Yeah, I I love that. And so you also have given us a beautiful gift. It's called the Three Minute Mindset Reset. Move your body, elevate your emotions, and create a positive state. So for anyone who is looking to get a sense of what these intensati practices are like, definitely check out that resource and yeah, reach out to Dawn if this is of interest to you. So thank you for being on the summit and I can't wait to see more of you out there. And I know we're both on the Women Thrive Summit in March, so I can't wait to see you there as well. You too. It's going to be exciting. Thank you so much for the 